Hello, and welcome. I'm Mark Winkworth, and you're listening to Tales of the Sea. This series is my chance to share some of my favorite stories, poetry, plays, music, and true life adventures inspired by the sea. Along the way, we'll hear about and on occasion meet with some of the gifted artists and talented individuals who brought those works to life. I grew up boating on the lakes of Michigan, and I learned to sail in the waters of Long Island Sound, New York State. And I have to say, being on the water is truly my happy place. That's why it's my pleasure to share and celebrate some of my favorite tales of the sea with you. Let's start with one of my favorite narrative poems, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's The Wreck of the Hesperus. Now, where did that come from? What was the inspiration? Well, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow is one of America's greatest poets. He was born and raised in Portland, Maine. And as a young boy, he was profoundly influenced by the magical allure of Maine's pristine bays, its numerous islands and endless horizons, as well as the magic and mystery of exploration and sail. He would go on to write over 50 poems inspired by the sea. His ballad, The Wreck of the Hesperus, is one of his best known. What makes the poem so special, I think, is how it brings together elements of an important chapter in American maritime history. It was just a few days before Christmas in the year 1839. Uh, It promised to be a meager holiday for many in New England because America was right in the middle of a deep economic crisis. President Martin Van Buren, yeah, the guy with those crazy mutton-chop sideburns, was in the White House. Now, Van Buren had been Andrew Jackson's vice president, and together, their boom-and-bust economic policy, as it was called, uh, which meant easy credit, willful denial of inflationary signs, wild speculation in land and commerce, uh, that set the stage for what was known as the 1837 bank collapse. Now, many folks in the United States were in really dire straits, including those in New England, who made their living from the sea. Ship captains and their crews were charged by their demanding ship owners with delivering goods up and down the coast of America and across the oceans to foreign ports. Well, the port of Boston, Massachusetts, was one of the largest and busiest ports in North America. Ships loaded with lumber, salted fish, rum, wheat, flour, corn, and cotton were on tight and often frantic schedules. Ship captains and crews had families to feed, rents to pay, and if a ship could sail fast to its destination and be the first to arrive, handsome profits could result from the ship's privileged and highly competitive owners. December 14, 1839, was a day that was described afterwards as one of rare beauty. Uh, Ship captains along the New England coast had high hopes of excellent sailing and lucrative journeys. Conditions looked positively okay. Now, that word, okay, was new and popular in 1839. The story goes that okay was first seen in the Boston Morning Post, meant to be a shortened way to relay the phrase, all is correct. Okay caught on, and soon the new response to questions like, how are things? Okay, 
How's the weather? Okay. Now, seafarers had no access to weather forecasting as we know it today. For all they knew, the weather looked okay on this particular day in December. Radar weather prediction was still 100 years in the future, but word had spread of Ireland's storm earlier that year, a storm that came to be called the Night of the Big Wind, when over 300 sailors had lost their lives. The storm in Ireland uh, had started with a period of heavy snow, followed by a warm front that brought about above-average temperatures that in turn brought on a rapid melting of that snow. Now, all of this was followed by a cold front that then collided with the warm air over the land and brought on strong winds and torrential rains. The storm gathered strength, and by midnight, the winds had reached hurricane force. Unknown to the New England sailors, setting sail that December afternoon, that same sequence of weather events months prior was about to repeat itself. The cool, clear, calm skies over Maine and Massachusetts and most of the coast on that particular day soon turned, bringing a dark and deadly blizzard with gale-force winds, freezing sleet, snow, and 40-foot seas, a storm that would rage for 12 hours. And in the end, 20 ships packed with goods and supplies would crash against the rocks, have rigging and masts collapse, hulls torn asunder, and sink in the cold Atlantic Ocean. More than 40 lives would be lost that day. The tragic news spread over New England and reached a young Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who'd just begun to make a name for himself with a collection of short poems in a volume called Voices of the Night. Now, at this time, Longfellow was living and working at Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts, when that storm that would become known as the Great Storm of December 14, 1839, brought tragedy to Boston, Gloucester, Cape Ann, and other nearby harbors. We don't know when Longfellow began writing his poem, The Wreck of the Hesperus, but his 1839 diary shows the Great Storm tragedy was certainly on his mind. It was less than three years later that he fictionalized this wrenching account of the event, and it was published as The Wreck of the Hesperus. Here, then, is The Wreck of the Hesperus by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. It was the schooner Hesperus that sailed the wintry sea, and the skipper had taken his little daughter to bear him company. Blue were her eyes as the fairy flax, her cheeks like the dawn of day, and her bosom white as the hawthorn buds that ope in the month of May. The skipper, he stood beside the helm, his pipe was in his mouth, and he watched how the veering flaw did blow, the smoke now west, now south. Then up and spake an old sailor, had sailed to the Spanish main. I pray thee, Put into yonder port, for I fear a hurricane. Last night the moon had a golden ring, and tonight no moon we see. The skipper, he blew a whiff from his pipe, and a scornful laugh laughed he. Colder and louder blew the wind, a gale from the northeast. The snow fell hissing in the brine, and the billows frothed like yeast. 
Down came the storm and smote amain. The vessel in its strength, she shuddered and paused like a frighted steed, then leaped her cable's length. Come hither, come hither, my little daughter, and do not tremble so, for I can weather the roughest gale that ever wind did blow. He wrapped her warm in his seaman's coat. Against the stinging blast, he cut a rope from a broken spar and bound her to the mast. Oh, Father, I hear the church bells ring. Oh, say, what may it be? Tis a fog bell and a rock-bound coast, and he steered for the open sea. Oh, Father, I hear the sound of guns. Oh, say, what may it be? Some ship in distress that cannot live in such an angry sea. Oh, Father, I see a gleaming light. Oh, say, what may it be? But the father answered never a word. A frozen corpse was he. Lashed to the helm, all stiff and stark, with his face turned to the skies, the lantern gleamed through the gleaming snow on his fixed and glassy eyes. The maiden clasped her hands and prayed that saved she might be, and she thought of Christ, who stilled the wave on the lake of Galilee, and fast through the midnight dark and drear, through the whistling sleet and snow. Like a sheeted ghost, the vessel swept towards the reef of Norman's woe. And ever the fitful gust between, a sound came from the land. It was the sound of the trampling surf on the rocks and the hard sea sand. The breakers were right beneath her bows. She drifted, a dreary wreck and a whopping billow swept the crew like icicles from her deck. She struck where the white and fleecy waves looked soft as carded wool, but the cruel rocks, they gored her side like the horns of an angry bull. Her rattling shrouds all sheathed in ice with the masts went by the board. Like a vessel of glass, she stove and sank. Ho, ho, the breakers roared. At daybreak, on the bleak sea beach, a fisherman stood aghast to see the form of a maiden fair lashed close to a drifting mast. The salt sea was frozen on her breast, the salt tears in her eyes, and he saw her hair like the brown seaweed on the billows fall and rise. Such was the wreck of the Hesperus in the midnight and the snow. Christ save us all from a death like this on the reef of Norman's woe. Pretty powerful, huh? Longfellow, inspired by the events of the blizzard of 1839, combined both fact and fiction to create this piece. In his own words, suddenly it came into my mind to write, which I accordingly did. Then I went to bed, but I could not sleep. It, the poem, did not come into my mind by lines, but by stanzas. Wow. Longfellow likely borrowed the name of the ship, the Hesperus, that was lost off the coast of Boston in that same storm. He also appears to have adopted specific details from the loss of the schooner, the favorite out of Wiscasset, Maine. Now, he took details of that wreckage on the deadly reef at Norman's Woe, where an entire crew was lost, including the captain. 
In that disaster close to Cape Ann and Gloucester in Massachusetts, one woman reportedly floated to the shore, drowned, and tied to a mast. Longfellow's own imagination filled in the other characters, including the arrogant ship captain, who was determined his ship, under his skillful hand, would weather the storm, and that he would presumably profit handsomely from getting his goods to their appointed ports, ahead of those who cowardly stayed ashore. Now, the captain's daughter, with her blue fairy flax eyes, after her father's demise, had to endure the storm all alone. Delicate, innocent, facing an icy death, and praying to God to help her, she became a tragic victim of her father's ambition and his lack of understanding that God's forces, i.e. the forces of nature, should never be challenged. Shipwreck narratives as literary fiction go back as far as Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey, and likely long before that. William Shakespeare included incidents of shipwrecks in a number of his plays, including The Comedy of Errors, Twelfth Night, and The Tempest. Shipwrecks and the destruction they caused were natural, dramatic sources for writers of this type of narrative fiction. Being an academic, Longfellow was no doubt aware of other narrative poems inspired by the sea. His edition, I believe, is among the most powerful, emotional, and horrific. His ballad, The Wreck of the Hesperus, remains at the top of my list in the literary treasury of sea narratives. Such was the wreck of the Hesperus. In the midnight and the snow, Christ save us all from a death like this on the reef of Norman's Woe. Well, that concludes episode one of Tales of the Sea. This is your host, Mark Winkworth. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends. And thanks so much for listening.